Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, well, we're in a series right now that we're simply calling Being Comfortable in the Uncomfortable. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, there are a lot of opportunities for being uncomfortable. Yes? There's a lot of things happening in today's culture where you'll find yourself in a moment, in a situation, in a time when you feel like, wow, I'm really out of place. I just don't fit in here. And when we say we need to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, I'm not saying that we need to conform to the world. I'm not saying that we need to be a chameleon in the world. What I am saying is this. We've got to allow God to use us in the midst of the uncomfortable situations, that we're willing to take a stand even when it's difficult, that we're willing to go out and be who he's called us to be even when it's not easy. That's what we're talking about in this series. As we dissect First and Second Peter, we take the time to look at this incredible book where Peter, one of the very first disciples, the foundation in which the church has built upon, Jesus himself called Peter the rock, and he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And we see Peter transform from this wimpy individual that couldn't stand up in the courtyard and represent Jesus well, to the man that stepped out full of the Holy Spirit, come on, full of the Holy Spirit, and addresses the crowd, and 3,000 people come to know Christ. A transformation happened. Both situations for Peter were moments of uncomfortable. In the moment when he's in the garden and those around were saying, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? Your accent gives you away. I think I've seen you with him. You, you resemble some of his folks. That's an uncomfortable moment. The Holy Spirit later has fallen Crowds are rallying around, making accusations about the believers that were in the upper room, the 120 that were there. Some were saying, these men are drunk, and look how early in the day it is. An uncomfortable situation. But something happened in Peter's life that changed his response. See, first time around, Peter was relying upon himself. He was dependent upon himself, but now full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll receive power to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon the early believers, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in an unknown language, an ability, a strength, an anointing, a power to be used for the glory of God. Today, I want to talk about this idea of service is a sign of devotion. I want to look at what it means when we begin to give of our time, our talents, and our ability for the cause of Christ. You see, right out of the gate in this series, we discovered that we weren't called to be spectators 
Church was never meant to be a spectator sport. There's a lot of spectator sports out there. Many of you go to ball games. You watch from the sidelines. You watch from the bleachers. Maybe you watch at home on the TV. But you have never gotten on the field. The problem is we take this mentality and that thought process and we bring it into the church and we think, well, we'll just be entertained by somebody on a stage. We'll listen to a worship team. We'll clap every now and again when everybody else claps. We'll raise our hand every now and again when he tells us we have to. Right? Oh, come on. And the pastor will come up. He'll inspire us with some incredible message. And by the way, that guy's speaking down the road someplace. I don't know who he is. But the pastor comes up and he speaks for a few moments. And we go out and we punch that spiritual time card. It's been a great time in a spectator sport moment. But we were never called to be spectators in our walk with Christ. But we were called to engage to be a part of something larger than ourselves, to allow the giftings, the talents, the abilities that God has placed inside of us to be used for his glory. You see, every one of us has something to offer. Come on, look at your neighbor this morning and say, you've got something to offer. Those of you that are watching online, nudge the person on the couch beside you. Tell them, you've got something to offer. Every one of us have been given an ability by God. I want to challenge you, if you've missed the previous three messages, to go back and listen to those. Because that's really set the foundation of where we are today. But let me ask you a question. I'm talking this morning about giving of our abilities, of plugging in and serving in areas of the church. But let me ask you, does the Bible really say that as a follower of Jesus, we are to give of our time? Does it really say that that we should be a part of a serve team, that, that we should be more than a spectator in our walk with Christ? What do you think? The answer is yes. In fact, look at our text this morning. This is just one nugget of that information. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says this, God has given each of you. Come on, come on. Anybody missing? Anybody like left out there? God has given each of you. I I could go around the room one by one. I could look you in the eyeball this morning and I could say God has given you a gift. God has given you an ability God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything, say everything, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now, I would venture to say that we're not just limited to these two statements that Peter made here. I don't just think he's saying, if you can speak, use it for God's glory. If you can help, use it for God's glory. If you can't do either of those, there's your exit door. 
I think there's so much more to what he's talking about. We, we got to kind of dig in a little deeper. We got to look between the lines a little bit because he goes on to say, then everything, come on, there it is, nothing's left out, then everything you do will bring glory to God. There are some of you that have made this type of statement. Well, someday I'll join a serve team at church. Someday I'll be a part of what God is doing through this great body of believers. But for now, for now, I'm just going to sit in the bleachers. For now, I'm going to climb to the very top row of the bleachers as far away as possible. I'm just going to sit on the top row and I'm going to watch from a distance. But someday, someday, one of these days, I'm going to show up. One of these days, I'm going to begin to serve. Here's the problem with that mentality. Someday, never shows up. Other things tend to take a higher priority than service to God. Our schedules get busier and busier and busier and busier. You look at your calendar. Maybe you use a digital calendar on your phone. Maybe you have a paper calendar and you write them all out. Maybe you're really smart and you've got a mental calendar and you've notated everything in your mind. But that calendar gets so full that there's not a breathing moment in your life. So you've rationalized your lack of serving by saying this, well, Sunday is the only day I have to breathe. Now, I understand we need a Sabbath. Come on. I understand that. But can I just tell you that one of the highest priorities in your life should be using the giftings and the talents that God has given you to serve God? To be used for his glory? Peter said it this way. Then everything you do will bring glory and honor to God. The problem is a schedule gets busy, excuses become the norm, and years pass by, and you're still waiting for someday to arrive. But today, I want to challenge you just for a few moments to get out of your seats and onto a serve team. We're going to talk about it in a few moments, but on about every other seat this morning was this card. It says, serve teams. It goes through virtually every single ministry opportunity. Um, there's a chance that we could have missed something because we're human, but we've put as many of them on there as possible. And then there's a little QR code at the bottom. I'm gonna encourage you today to really, as we dive into this message, as we begin to really dissect it, um, begin to allow God to lead you and to guide you. There, there's some of you that have been going through church as a spectator sport for some time now, and God's saying, now's your time to get on the field. Now's your time to get plugged in. Now's your time to get involved. I'm going to challenge you, prayerfully consider, God, what would you have me to do? Look through that list. Uh, don't make a rash decision. Don't just kind of do one of these things and close your eyes and point, because then you'll end up working in women's ministry, and you're a guy, See, that doesn't work. 
That, that does not work. It, it, so pray, read over this list. God, what would you have me to do? And some of you think, well, here's what I've done in the past, so this is what I have to do now. No, that's not true. And I will also tell you this. When you sign up for a serve team, it's not a life sentence. Sometimes we're afraid to sign up because we think, man, if I sign up to be a greeter at the door, I'm going to die as a greeter at the door. I am prepping to work at McDonald's. I'm prepping to work at Walmart and stand at the door and go, hi, welcome. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Walmart. Here's a card. I mean, I'm prepping for that. That's what I'm working toward. No, 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 no. We're going to allow you to jump into a ministry, maybe for a a six-month span, and give it a shot. If you get into this thing and you know what? I don't care for that area of ministry. That's not really what I thought it was. Cool. Let's find another place for you to plug in. Is that fair? Like four of you think it's fair? Great. The rest of you will catch on by the end of the service. All right, let's look at three observations because we want to allow God to develop in us and through us the ability that he's already placed deep inside of our lives. I believe that God has uniquely designed you for a purpose. I believe that God has uniquely designed you with a calling that perhaps you're the only one that can fulfill. Do you believe that? I do. Because there are things that you can do that I could never do. There are things that I can do that you could never do. God has placed inside of us a gifting. So let's look at three observations of service. Number one is this. God is depending on you. God is depending on you. Whether you believe that or not, you're here this morning, and some of you struggle to really grab a hold of that because you think, I don't know that I've really got what it takes. I really don't know that I've got the ability. Here's the deal. All God wants is your availability. He will develop the ability within you. But we've got to be willing to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. God is depending on you. There's a story in the book of Matthew. Many of you have probably heard it before. Some of you could probably tell it better than I can today. But it's a story of a master that goes away on a journey. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. And rather than read the story, I want to kind of give you a paraphrased edition of it today. The master goes away on a trip. He calls together some of his servants Different levels of ability. One of them, he gives five handfuls or packages of silver. And honestly, it wasn't just a small bag. It was a a large sum. Five groups of silver. One he gave two and one he gave one. And he told them, he said, take care of this. I'm entrusting this to you while I'm gone. It's interesting that all three of them took this and they processed what they should do. The one that received the five talents took that and invested it and doubled the amounts. The one that received the two likewise took it, invested it, doubled it, and brought back now four. But the one that received the one talent, he said, I was fearful, I was afraid because I knew that you were a harsh man. I knew that you harvested where you never planted before. So here's what I did. 
You ready for this? I was smart. Come on. He's trying to defend himself. I was really smart in this moment. So I dug a hole in the ground and I buried the talent that you gave me. Now, I'm not going to give you Jesus' response. Yeah, we're going to come to that in just a moment. Because if I was to look across this room today, some of you are a five-talent individual. Man, you've been taking what God has, has placed in your possession. You've been applying it. You've been utilizing it. Because of that, God is growing inside of you what you need to become. And if you look back where you were two, three, four years ago, you have grown so much. Some of you are two-talent individuals. Likewise, you've begun to invest that. Maybe you started here, but God's beginning to raise you up on this level, and you've been growing and maturing in your faith and your walk. You're more comfortable today than you've ever been before. But some of you in the room are one-talent individuals. You've been afraid. What would people think? I'm just going to be too uncomfortable in that moment. I'm just not sure that I, I have what it takes so you go to the side, you dig a hole in the ground, you bury that talent, you cover it up, and you think, well, someday, someday I'll, I'll come back. Someday I'll, I'll unbury that. Someday I'll, I'll utilize that somehow, some way. But, but for today, for, for the time being, and, and for this moment, I, I'm just going to leave it right there. It's safe there. It's comfortable there. But can I just remind you today that God is depending on you our story tells us this in verse 14. It says, he, the master, called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So to remove some loopholes, let me define the word entrust. Entrust has two definitions. One is put something in someone's care or protection. And the second is assign a responsibility for doing something. So it's to place something in the care, and the second is you've got to do something with what you've been given. Let me ask you, have you ever been entrusted with something special? Maybe it was an object. Maybe it was a special responsibility that you were given. You had to take great care of what was entrusted to you. Now, our source gives us these two Similar but little different definitions of the word entrust. And if we look closely at them, we discover that our abilities, our talents, our time are to contain both definitions. The careful protection of what has been given to us, but also the application of doing something which has been placed in our hands. So, protecting it, taking care of what we've been given, but also applying it and putting it into use for a greater purpose. What we are given must be used for the purpose of God. It's not enough to store it up for later, to, to dig a hole in and hide it in the ground as we sell in our story. I believe that the master here was putting a level of responsibility and trust upon these servants. Likewise, that's what God does for you and for me. 
He gives to each of us, like the master, he gives according to our abilities. He places the talents in our hands. And he says, while I'm gone, I'm entrusting this to you. He's calling us to get out of our seat of comfort and into the active service. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, Peter says this, care for the flock that God has entrusted, there's that word again, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you can get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Now, it'd be easy right now for us to say, well, that's talking about pastors because the pastor cares for the flock. But can I just tell you, I can't care for the flock by myself. I'm going to say that again. I can't care for the flock by myself. I need you. I need your help. God needs you. God is depending on you. God has entrusted in your care a great responsibility. The question is, what are you going to do with what he has given you? It is our responsibility to take that talent he's placed in our hands and begin to invest it into action, to care for it, to willingly and eagerly watch over it and to serve God in and through it. You see, God has created you with a specific gift, a special gift that only you can accomplish. But here's the problem. We tend to classify the gifts and rate them on levels that we think are important. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But listen carefully this morning. God has given you your ability for a reason. And truthfully, God depends on you. The second observation is this. Too often we discount ourselves. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been guilty of discounting yourself? I'm, I'm not as good as, as they are. I can't do what they do. Let me be honest with you. Even as a pastor, pastors do that. Man, we go to conferences and we see these guys come up on stage and they speak and they're not even using notes and they're just going at it. Well, we have to remember that's the 65th time they've said that message because they've been to 65 different conferences and they've used the same message. It's okay to use notes. I'm telling myself that. It's okay. <laughs> but we compare ourselves to those around us and we think, well, I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as personable as that person. I'm not as talented as this individual. So we discount that gifting that God has given to us. Why do we discount? We kind of make it a Walmart product, a Dollar General product, and say, that's what God, God gave me Dollar General. Come on. No, no, God's given you the best. The question is, are you going to allow it to produce what he's called it to produce? Or are you satisfied with pushing it down and hiding it in the sand? Matthew chapter 25, verse 24, it says this, Then the servant with the one bag of silver 
came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. If you look back at the story, this poor individual was trying to tackle this talent all alone in his own strength, in his own knowledge. Therefore, he was stricken with fear. He had personalized everything. In fact, four times in two verses, he says, I, I knew you were harsh. I discovered that. I knew you were harsh. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it. Are we so afraid of how we will look? Are we so afraid that we'll falter and fail, that we remain frozen in the response to the gift and the talent that God has placed before us? See, failing isn't a bad thing if you learn something from it. Come on, let me say that again. Failing isn't a bad thing if you learn something from it. Now, if you fail and you don't learn anything from it and you just keep failing and keep failing and keep failing and keep failing, there's a problem. Pastor Mark Batterson once asked his staff, they were doing a year in review, and he asked me, he says, guys, where did we fail this year? One of his staff members, very eager, stands up and says, Pastor, we didn't fail anywhere this year. He looked back at him and said, but here's the problem. If we didn't fail anywhere, we didn't try hard enough. See, not everything is going to be a knock-it-out-of-the-park moment. Sometimes it's a learning experience. Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable for a season until we get our footing in that situation. So are we so afraid that we're frozen in that response? Have you ever been guilty of discounting yourself? Perhaps you begin to compare yourself to somebody else. You allow your calendar to lead your life rather than steering your calendar. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, my ability is not really needed. We have plenty of people in that area of ministry. I don't really have a lot to offer. And if I don't utilize my gifting in church, it's not going to make a big difference. Are you sure about that? Let me read what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized in one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit. Now listen carefully. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not the hand, does that make it any less part of the body? If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would we smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. 
Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye could never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head could never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most important. Every one of you here today are vitally important. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm not really much use. I'm kind of like the big toe. I'm just kind of there. But can I just tell you, chop off your big toe and you walk a little different. Your stride's a little different because something's missing in the body. God has a purpose for every single one of you in the room. Every part of the body is important. The door greeter, guess what? The door greeter is vitally important. The nursery worker, incredibly important. Worship team members, such a vital part of the ministry of the church. The sign wavers, come on, out there waving the sign, rain, snow, sleet, hail, sunshine, whatever, just saying, welcome home. That's vitally important. Working with kids, working on tech, the list goes on and on. Working with other areas of ministry, youth and kids and men and women. Every area of ministry is vitally important. When you're not in your spot, you're missed. Every part of the body is needed. You are needed. In fact, look at your neighbor today and tell them you're needed. Those of you watching online, put in the chat, I'm needed, exclamation point. Every one of us are needed. Look what, look what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, let me back up. Earlier we read from Peter and he gave us two things, right? Now here Paul gives a few more. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with, uh, with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If the gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, he says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Listen, church, don't discount yourself. Don't discount yourself. God has perfectly designed you with a plan and a purpose. You may not see it right now. You may not be able to wrap yourself around it right now. But here's my challenge. If you will take one step toward God, if you'll just say, Lord, here I am. I don't know what I have to offer, but here I am. I believe that God's going to take and he's going to honor that faithfulness and that commitment that you make to him. Because our third observation is this. You must choose to invest. 
In the book of John, Jesus takes the time to demonstrate to the disciples this idea of investing in others. In other words, he showed them what true servanthood looks like. Some of you know the story. Jesus and the disciples were having a meal together. And in the midst of that meal, Jesus stands up and he walks to the edge of the room and he takes off the outer garment. He puts a towel around himself, an apron on himself, picks up a basin of water. And one by one, he went to the disciples and he knelt down and he began to wash their feet. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this idea of washing the feet. This wasn't the job of the rabbi. This wasn't the responsibility of the teacher. This was the role of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant. Oftentimes, when there was a gathering like they were having, somebody would have the responsibility of making sure there was a servant there that would take care of the feet because typically they walked everywhere they went. They maybe had bathed that day. They were clean for the most part, but they were walking on dirt roads where Horses had been, where mules had been, where livestock had been. You can imagine the things that were on a dirt road in that day. So they would get to a location, their feet would be dirty. So they'd be met at the door and a servant would wash their feet. I can imagine that as Jesus, one by one, began to wash the disciples' feet, maybe a rustling began to stir throughout the disciples' Peter looked at John and said, John, wasn't it your responsibility to make sure somebody was here? Matthew looked over to one of the others and said, weren't you the one that was supposed to get somebody this time around? But one by one, Jesus demonstrated this idea of servanthood, of serving those around him. And once he finished his demonstration, He made a statement that I believe should be applied not just to them, but to us. He says in John chapter 13, verse 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now that you know what you're supposed to do, now that you know what it means to be a servant of all, God will bless you as you do them. So we look at this and we realize that not only is God going to be with us, the Bible says God goes before us, he paves the way. As we trust in him, as we rely upon him, he makes the path straight before us. But not, not only is that going to occur in our lives, but God will bless us for being faithful in service. He's given us the instruction. He's shown us what it means to be a servant. Now it's our responsibility to put into action, to respond in obedience, in full surrender to God. Let's go back to our story from earlier. Three servants. They've all been entrusted with different levels of talents. One, five bags of silver, One, two bags of silver, and one with one. Each of them have a choice to make. What are they going to do? Where are they going to turn? What are they going to do with what's been entrusted to them? 
Take a look at what it says. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. So now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. Likewise, the master looked at him and said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. You harvested crops you didn't plant. You gathered crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money. Would you take a moment? Would you look at the master's response? You wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Goes on to say he took the money away from that one and he gave it to the one that began with five. Now it's easy for us to look at this story and go, man, God's harsh. God has a plan. And he just wants our willingness and our obedience. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather God look to me and say, well done. One day when I stand before him in heaven, I look forward to him saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Imagine standing before him and he looking you in the eyes and saying, you wicked, lazy servants. See, it wasn't enough just to hold on to the talent for safekeeping. The master has called us to be people of action. Today, I'm extending that call to you to step out of the uncomfortable, to put action to what he's entrusted you. 1 Peter 4, 16, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. God has called you by name. So what do you do? Real quick, I'm going to give you five, five things you can do to get started. Number one, sign up today. You've got this. It lists all the areas of serve team. It gives you the QR code. You don't even have to leave your seat. You can scan that thing. If you'd rather talk to somebody and process it, swing by the connect point out there. And if they need to grab the leader of that area of ministry, we'll make sure they're right there for you. Number two, join Grow Track. 
That's the on-road. That's going to help you to discover all of this. That should say three. It says two again, but it should say three. Look for opportunities. Number four, make yourself available. And number five, take the first step. Well, pastor, I'm just waiting for somebody to come ask me. How are we going to know that's your passion? I've had people in the past, man, they've been sitting in church for several years. And suddenly it comes out that they have a gifting, a talent, an ability in a certain area of ministry. And I'm like, man, why haven't you ever plugged in to that area? Well, I'll just wait for somebody to ask me. How will they know unless somebody tells them? I'm going to challenge you today. Make yourself available. Take the first step. Let me close with this. John 12. If any of you wants to serve me, Jesus is speaking. He says, then follow me. Then you will be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Are you ready today? Are you ready to serve? Are you ready to move forward with what God's entrusted to you? Whatever that looks like, are you willing to say, Lord, I'm available, I'm ready, and I'm willing? Are you willing to take the two bags of silver, the five bags of silver, the one bag of silver that he's entrusted to you and apply that? And to allow that gifting to grow and mature in your life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.